Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Tony Schaefer is with us, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. What is the essence of Joe Biden's foreign policy and why is it such a failure? But first this. Judge Napolitano here. Do you know that we the people have reached 34 trillion plus in debt? It's unsustainable and it's growing. Our government is addicted to printing money and it's not going to stop. And if you believe that, as I do, then you need to understand why gold prices will continue to rise along with our staggering debt. In this report called $3,200 Gold, it explains how rising debt will cause the value of gold to rise and it could reach $3,200 an ounce. Listen to some of the stats that I pulled from this report. They make a very strong case for the likely surge in the value of gold. In 2002, gold was $256 an ounce and the national debt was $6.5 trillion. Last year, the debt broke through $33 trillion and gold exceeded $2,000 an ounce. That is a 400% rise in the debt and a 700% staggering rise in the value of gold. And now the debt has hit 34 trillion and the value of gold continues to rise along with it. It's great information from my friends at Lear Capital and I encourage every one of you to call today and get your copy of this report. There's no obligation to purchase. It's a free report. It's free education. Call 800-511-4620 or go to learjudgenap.com. And when you talk to my friends at Lear, tell them the judge sent you. Tony Schaefer, welcome here, my dear friend. Thank you for joining us uh, as uh, as always. Judge, you and I have talked about this a hundred times and, and a yeah. lot of our um, viewers are trying to get a handle on it. What do you think the essence of Joe Biden's foreign policy is? Is it a, is it a mindset stuck in the in the cold war is it an idealistic however misguided view of a, of american exceptionalism or is it just feed the monster feed the military industrial complex so they'll uh, finance our reelection campaigns joe biden's national security and uh, his basic understanding of foreign policy is absolutely nothing it's zero he has Zero interest as a person. Uh, judge, what we've seen, and I think why he was picked, is because he's an empty vessel. I've met Joe Biden 
Um, I testified before him, and I'm I'm a I'm of a belief, and I've thought about this. I didn't know you can ask this question this morning, but I've thought about this a lot over the last couple of days. The nature of Biden and where we're going as a as a nation with people like him. He's another form of grifter, just smarter than most grifters. Mm. He has grifted his entire career and benefited from essentially being uh, being morally pliable, from actually being the hyper let's lock them all up guy during the nineties to the to the guy today who is professing uh, a love for democracy, and yet saying everything and doing everything to undermine it. So he it's Joe Biden has no no philosophy. He is literally uh, a vessel for somebody. I, the question is, who is the, the Joe Biden whisperer? Who, who gives Joe Biden his points? Is it Jill? And I think Jill has a lot of influence on him. Is uh, it, is it uh, President Obama? I think it's Obama. And, and th th then if you take it to that next level, well, who's, who's advising? So I think Joe Biden is the ultimate expression of the left's political folly. That basically they they pick people they run them through. I had my friend Matt Ho on the show yesterday. You may want to talk about Matt a little bit about politics. You know he ran for Senate in the in the Green Party. The Democrats sued him. I, I don't want to get off tangent on that, but I'm just saying that if you look at how they is they are more of a collective. It's like a hive mind, and Joe Biden is the latest face of that hive mind. So it's not about Joe Biden's philosophy or policy. It's about Joe Biden. And if if just watch him, he, he shifts with the wind. The one thing that he said, and I think he's actually trying to work a little bit, is I think he he loved the idea of partitioning Iraq, of just breaking it all up. Right. And not my idea. Matt Ho brought this up to me. So so Joe Biden has been on the wrong side of every decision in, his, in, in, right, here's in modern what history I'm, that I'm aware of. Here's what I'm hearing for you. He's a sponge. He stands he for nothing and he absorbs uh, whatever ideas are around him that he thinks are popular at the moment. Is that a fair or he, summary? Or he's told to saying? say. No, I think he's like, let's let's just look at a recent example of one of his comments. Uh, Taiwan. Yeah. Taiwan had uh, overwhelming uh, election, you know, had an election in which they, they returned to power for the first time in its history as Taiwan, a, 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 the same political power for the third time. They had two terms of one president, and this, this this the party won again with a different guy. But the theme of the party is anti-CCP PRC. They don't want to be part of China, the, the, the larger China. They want to be Taiwanese. And so they voted. It's a democracy. And and yet, Judge, what's the first thing Joe Biden comes out and says, who's, who's screamed about having less democracies and more democracies after the years of Trump? He says, we're not for Taiwanese independence even though they voted a party back in power who promoted Taiwanese independence. Wait a minute. I thought he was talking about sending troops to Taiwan to defend it from the mainland. Now he says he's not in favor of Taiwan independence, even though the people there voted for it overwhelmingly. That's correct. It was in Reuters. Reuters did a whole write-up on this. Absolutely. And so why did Joe say that? Because right. I think someone told him to say it. How uh, bad are things in Ukraine? Is, is it on its last leg? Um, yeah, it is. I, there's no way of putting a happy face on this. I think people at Davos and, 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 uh, NATO spokesman and all these other NATO leader, it's like they, they're literally living in an alternate world. The, the Russians, you know, I don't want to, I don't know how to say this without sounding pro-Russian. The Russians have won. 
there, there's no path forward for the Ukrainian military to return to an offensive. There's just, it's just not possible. The numbers aren't there. Will the, the, the Russians now have the option? Not, I'm not that it'll exercise it. I have no inside knowledge. I don't talk to any Russians. Just looking at the tea leaves and looking at, at the, the situation, that the Russians are going to have the option now in the spring to go back on the offensive. And they, and they wouldn't have to work that hard to do it. Uh, there's different uh, assessments of how much Russian military force is involved. I think about 25%. Others are saying as low as 10. I think the Russians have sufficient military power to take over the whole of U- of Ukraine if they want. But I don't right. think you they know, it's, it's, it's I funny don't... you should say that. And I, I what I'm now about to discuss, I attribute to uh, President Putin's political skills. Yeah. He often uses his predecessor, the guy who was president after when Putin was not allowed to run for election. They since have changed their constitution. Right. Uh, Medvedev, Dmitry Medvedev, who's now the vice chair of their National Security Council. He often uses... Dmitry Medvedev's extreme statements to make himself, Biden, sound more moderate of tone. Because today, it's funny, you said what you just said, unless you already know what I'm going to say. Today, okay, today, Dmitry Medvedev said, Kiev is in our crosshairs. Now, we have never heard that from President Putin. We have never seen an indication of that from their military. They either mean it, or Mr. Medvedev is saying it to make his boss sound uh, moderate and restrained in comparison. What does Tony Schaefer think? VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS. Dot georgetown.edu slash podcast. Well, I think, look, I think uh, a lot of us on both sides recognize that this war could have been avoided. That going back to your original question about Joe Biden, Joe Biden is the ultimate expression of the globalists who want a pound of flesh. Um, this has been brewing a long time. Again, I'm, I, I want to give credit where credit's due. Matt Ho said this on your show. I talked to Matt yesterday, just so you know, Matt and I are friends. Matt, I think in in your show, aptly outlined how the war in in Ukraine and Russia has been planned a long time. There's a lot of folks who were just gunning for that that showdown. They really thought that Ukraine was going to be a a, a massive resource uh, add to the EU, and that they could collapse Russia. This was their fantasy, and so Joe Biden, being Joe Biden, was you know kind of willing to go along with all that and be the face of it. And that's why everything is so bad now, because uh, to your point, the Russians are, are feeling put upon. You know, I've done this before. I'll do it again. You know, uh, Mongol, uh, 1237, Ottoman Empire, 1570, Sweden, 1708, French, you know, Napoleon, 1812, Japan, 1905, U.S., that's us. 
1918 and Germany 1941. You're talking about invasion. all the invasions of Russia. And so Russia yeah. Russia has an inherent fear of, yeah. of these things. And so that has been inspired by the, the bellicose language and actions by the EU and the United States. So I can see where, where people have bad feelings. But Putin, I think, is trying to be, dare I say it, the, the adult in the room. We just don't have an adult in the room on our side right now. So, All right. Uh, uh, switching gears to um, Gaza. Yeah. Uh, it appears that the um, Israeli government is about to remove a lot of troops from Gaza. Is, is this for real? And if so, why? Um, I think they're doing it because Joe Biden is putting pressure on him. Do I think they're doing it for real? No, I, I, I don't. I, you know, you and I don't necessarily share the same views on this judge, but I will say this, uh, that the Israelis are doing everything they can to manage Joe Biden's expectations and continue the war. That they, whatever- well, no, Nobody coming, can really disagree uh, with that. I mean, you, you could even take that to the extent that the Israelis control Joe Biden through the donor class- in the United States, you know that you're involved yeah. in politics yourself. I, I am, but but the, the, but the thing is, this is the dilemma of even the donor class. The donor class who want Joe Biden to be reelected re also have to acknowledge that they have uh, the Hamas caucus within the, the left. So you put these two diverse groups together within their their own little tent, and you got literally people who are ready to kill each other inside that tent. Not, I'm saying that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but I, you know, I'm not for violence necessarily. But I'm just saying you've got uh, large donors, donors who are Jewish, not saying anything bad. And you've got radical leftists who believe that Hamas needs to be supported and the Palestinians are indeed under under siege. So you've got these conflicting uh, uh, groups within the same political uh, tent and they're about to go at each other. I think it could be a, a major meltdown just because of the chaos this is going to create. And yeah, Joe Biden is by all accounts, again, I don't have inside knowledge. I'm just going with what I've read and see. Right. I think Biden and Netanyahu hate each other. I think there's some real issues because the, the, their political futures, their respective political futures uh, and being successful in those paths, uh, one of the two have to lose. Because uh, to, for Netanyahu to recover, he's got to be seen as a strong man and prevail. For Biden, he's got to figure out a way to stop Netanyahu and make this Israeli thing go away. And they are in direct conflict, and I think that's why they hate each other. All right, watch this. Chris, I think it's cut number 12. This is Admiral Kirby on uh, when was the last time President Biden spoke on the phone? This is yesterday. When is the last time President Biden spoke with Prime Minister Netanyahu? When was the last time uh, President Biden spoke on the phone with uh, Netanyahu? There has not been... Uh... Uh, uh, another call since the last one we read out. I don't have the exact date in front of me. It's been more than 20 days, I think. More than 20 days. If we were to go more than 20 days without those enormous military cargo planes landing in Tel Aviv with military equipment, the Israeli military would collapse. Am I right, Tony? I don't think it would collapse, but it would be significantly would degraded. It would yeah. be it would be degraded because the Israelis are committed to doing things as they have to. All right. So, so, so the war is the war is going on. I the think war is going on. Yeah, I they're, think they're not going to stop. Supporting I think it's genocide. You don't. The war is going on. We know that the United States is providing so much uh, equipment. 
We know that right. uh, APAC and the and the donor class pretty much has a Absolutely. lock on Biden. I don't dispute Trump. that. Right. So I where? You. And these two guys are not talking. That's no, my point. Not. So no, as I said, th their political futures are diametrically opposed. They're literally, you know, uh, to be successful, they've got to pull apart, and that's why you see this. Like, I don't want to talk to the guy because the more, again, I don't want to. I, let's not. I don't want to get into the policy prescriptions that you and I disagree on. I'm just saying regarding the political posturing that's going on, no matter how you feel about it, it's very right. clear these two men are going in different directions. Right. And because they're going in such radically different directions uh, with such radically different outcomes sought, they're going to do everything they can to basically ignore each other. They're going to pretend, you know, no, 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 you know, I'm not going to listen to you. And that's why you see a... this. And by and 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 the United States is going to continue to support the Israelis. I'm just telling you what I yeah, I'm, not, I, a very, I'm not involved. This is a very astute uh, analysis, Tony. Uh, Biden yeah. cannot defend the war much longer in the no. Democratic Party, and BB cannot afford to end the war, exactly. or he gets prosecuted Bingo. and probably gets convicted. So Bingo. their interests right, right. are the opposite. Right. One exactly. By the way, uh, Judge, one one moment, uh, if I could. Uh, back on John Kirby. John, you look absolutely marvelous. You always, you know, it's better to look good and to feel good. And you, John, you look marvelous. <laughs> I have to say that for John. John is uh, always a snappy dresser. You know, he he, he reminds me of uh, Fernando's Hideaway from uh, Saturday Night Live. You know, wow. you look marvelous. While we're talking about personalities uh, yes. in the military, what is the latest with uh, the Secretary of Defense? Well. Apparently he's out of the hospital and uh, he's back theoretically doing uh, duties, light duties at the Pentagon. And um, if you believe this, now I don't know what to believe because apparently, you know, he was uh, on a computer. He was either uh, basically uh, on one, on one hand, he had a computer and the other hand, he had a bedpan trying to launch attacks into the Houthi. I don't know how you do that. I've never seen that done, but apparently if you believe the Pentagon comments, that's what he was doing. So. Is Joe Biden expanding the war by attacking the Houthis? So he has no choice. This this is let's let's break this down as briefly as we can within the time we have. The Iranians have had uh, via the IRGC and the Quds Force a desire to expand influence in the region. Period. That's the policy. No matter how you and I feel or anyone else feels, it's what they've done. That's why they've. Uh, funded and supported all these different groups, everything from Hamas to Hezbollah, uh, you know, to the Houthi. That's their policy. It is what it is. They were launching attacks against us in Afghanistan in, in uh, 2003, 2004. So it is what it is. The Biden administration comes in, removes all of the different um, points of control and influence that the Trump administration had in place. And one of those was working with our Arab allies to stop groups like the Houthi. There was a, a war, you, you, you and I are aware of it, where the Saudis were fighting the Houthi in, in Yemen. By the way, the UN supported this because the Houthi deposed the elected government of Yemen, and even the UN was supporting this at one point. So Biden comes in, removes Houthi from the terror, from the terror list, uh, refunds the Iranians, and Katie barred the door. So the, 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 the Biden policies are what has led to the failure because the internet, it's not just us, the international community recognized Iran was going to be a bad actor.
So what we did is we defended, defunded our Arab allies, pulled them, made the Saudis pull out of out of, uh, of Yemen, funded the Iranians, let them to have full full reign, and and basically a green light, saying we're not going to do anything to stop you. And that's why you see this now. The Houthi, and by the way, the Houthi have gone from essentially guys who rode around in Toyota four by fours with AK forty sevens to using sophisticated right. drone technology. That okay, can now you're hit getting ship. you're getting to my next point, Tony, which is that these actions will have reactions and yes. the reactions will uh, expand regionally the Israeli-Gaza conflict and may very well draw the United States in. I mean, these attacks yes. are coming from the U.S. Navy. Uh, McGregor tells me, and you know this uh, better than I, uh, that you know a half dozen drones that they can buy for $10,000 each can, sick a, can sink a billion-dollar a billion dollar naval ship. Not suggesting for a moment that I want this to happen, but I'm suggesting that this might happen because we are picking a fight with these people whose uh, views of the world are different than ours. So I don't think picking a fight is the issue. The issue is how quick can we adapt? I, again, this is not just about us. 12% of global commerce goes through the Red Sea and within the Gulf of Aden. That's, that's not us. That's the world. And if, if, if we want to just sit back and do nothing, then sure, you're going to see economic, uh, everything go, go down, you know, be affected economically, everything from gas prices to goods. I don't think we want to do that. I, again, I, you know, I'm not for us being the world, the global policeman, but the fifth fleet's there for a reason. Okay. I and get this your is something argument. that we've added to. So I want to um, appeal to the part of your heart and head that is libertarian, and I know it ex it is there because we've had these conversations during our 15-year friendship. Yes, sir. So this is uh, Javier Malay, the new president of uh, Argentina, speaking at the Davos conference yesterday. Now, I spoke for a long time. Chris has distilled it down to about a minute and 10 seconds. The essence of what he's saying is the West is dying. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. Does the West have any basic uh, morals left, or is it just grab what you can and call it democracy? I like the way he framed it. I think, uh, and by the way, he's in the den of socialism right there on this. Yes, yes, yes he oh, is. Yes, he is. Holy man. cow. Zelensky, Man, I spoke, hope I Zelensky spoke to them. Uh, Jake Sullivan spoke to them. Tony Blinken spoke to them. Uh, all these lefties that are CEOs of, uh, of Fortune 100 corporations are there. Charlie Gasparino is there. Yeah, I saw. 
So, well, I first off, let me frame this by, I, I as I always say, never trust a German with the utopian vision of global order, you know, and Klaus Schwab meets that, you know, it, we tried it in the thirties. It didn't work. I don't think it'll work again now. Just saying. And, uh, this, the same thing now he, he said, I agree with everything he said, Xavier, uh, that, that, you know, we have a path that the globalists have, have, uh, essentially laid out and they're trying well, I to, I don't think us, they wanted you know, to hear that. <laughs> no, I don't think they did, but I'm not surprised they let him. I mean, I don't, I can't believe they didn't know what he was going to say. And uh, he said it, and yeah, he's right. And because everything that everything Davos stands for is exactly opposite of what he just said. They want us to be kind of eating bugs and happy owning nothing, which is you know the ultimate expression of socialism or or feudal mercantilism, which is another another form of what they're talking about. So right. yeah, Tony, thank you, my dear friend. Sure. Uh, appreciate your analysis uh, very much. Appreciate your time. I know the uh, viewers do uh, as well. It's early in the morning. Here on the East Coast in northern New Jersey, we have a foot of snow on the ground, and it's 10 degrees out. <laughs> and my little Chris wants to go with the dog, wants to go outside and play in the snow. But here I am. That's good. You. Well, you live in the good part of Jersey outside of the refinery area, so that's good Good for you, John. Don't be a wise guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tony. All the best. Take we'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you. What a day we have uh, coming up. So after Tony Shaper, Professor Sachs, Scott Ritter, will tell us about his trip to the Donbass. Uh, Scott Horton, who's going to make the opposite argument from uh, Tony Schaefer. Phil Giraldi, Colonel Wilkerson. And how else can you end the day as the sun is going down? The fearless Max Blumenthal. We'll see you shortly. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>